Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Yesterday, we got a few big stories pertaining to Antifa, the far left, the Proud Boys. First, from the AP, 61 indicted in Georgia on racketeering charges connected to Stop Cop City movement. We also learned that the former leader of the Proud Boys, Enrique Tarrio, had been sentenced to 22 years in prison for his role in the insurrection on January 6th. The only problem, Enrique Tarrio wasn't actually there. According to the defense, he wasn't even in contact with anyone who was there during the events of January 6th. But apparently after the fact, he was cheering for them, celebrating what they were doing. And as such, he's the leader. He gets more than two decades in prison. It's very interesting. We're also learning in the past week that large payouts had been made to far left extremists for their rioting in Denver. And this is how the story goes. There's a fascinating way to view this. If you look at the AP now, they do report that these far left extremists are being indebted on RICO charges, conspiracy charges. An additional 20 were charged with domestic terror. However, they point out something I think is very important. The Democrats have said they will not be involved in any prosecution against these individuals. Incredible. So while you have far left extremists in D.C. on January 20th, 2017, getting paid out millions of dollars, you have in Denver far left extremists rioting. And these riots across the country resulted in like, you know, 30 dead or whatever. They get paid out. When it comes to the indictments in Georgia, they say it's the Republican who is going after them. And the Democrat refuses to be involved. At the same time, a guy who wasn't even at January 6th is getting two decades of his life taken away for statements he made about it to other people. You know, the question comes up, civil war. And I think this is as good a time as ever to break down an honest and tempered discussion over what the media has been saying, and uh, as well as address things I've been saying in my view on everything that's going on. Perhaps a little bit cliche, there's a, they say it's a meme, you know, I bring up civil war, but I think it's important to point out on any given day, if you are reading the news and actively paying attention, there are dozens of stories from corporate press outlets discussing 
what they view as the probability of a civil war. Many of these outlets say, no, you're overreacting. It can't happen. And they take this interesting view where they say that not enough people want to fight and the states could not split. The problem, when you look at the actual scholars, when you look at the people actually tracking the conflict, they say something quite different. They say from a national security perspective, there is a decent probability of a civil war erupting. When you take a look at a former CIA analyst or whatever, whatever her position was, I think she's, and, and uh, there's a woman, her name is Barbara F. Walters. I think uh, funny, Barbara Walters. She says that we're tracking like, like many other countries towards a civil war. You have a Princeton professor saying it's a cold civil war. You have Stephen Marsh, who I've interviewed, saying we are in the civil strife period pre-civil war. And you take a look at where we are today. And it is funny to me that so many people try to deny it, particularly on the left. People who would say that the Proud Boys and Donald Trump tried to overthrow the U.S. government. Well, let's just start here. If that is truly what you believe with January 6th, and Donald Trump is actually, as of today, the favorite to win the 2024 election. You, you don't think we're on the verge of any kind of serious conflict? Now, by all means, I welcome anyone to prove this wrong because I don't know exactly what's going to happen. And I would prefer, I would much prefer to complain about celebrities saying stupid political things. Oh, there goes guy from Marvel movie again, complaining about the president. Let's go back to when we had substantive arguments on policy and not to when we were seeing mass violence and acts of domestic terrorism. Now, the Democrats are refusing to prosecute Stop Cop City. You see how this is breaking down in Georgia. The Republican goes after the far left, as he rightly should, because they were firebombing buildings and attacking cops. There was a shootout with police. The cops shot and killed the guy. Yeah, you probably should indict these extremists. But then you have in Fulton County, they go after the current front runner for the Republican Party. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I just it's, it's, it's hard for me to take anyone seriously. You don't have to live in a world of panic and fear or anything like that. And I don't think you should. This, there's a potential off ramp, I suppose, in, you know, uh, Donald Trump gets, gets elected. And then we see weeding out of corruption. The far left extremists get stamped out and then people carry on with their lives. But considering the international conflict, considering what's going on with Ukraine and Russia and where we're headed, I, I don't understand why people would take the perspective that we are headed towards, I don't know, a calm. This is not pessimistic. And it, and it really, really frustrates me when people just say, it's too black pulled. I refuse to believe it. Yo, I don't care. Okay. I have these stories pulled up for you. Let's read through them. You take whatever assessment you want. But I tell you this, a lot of people have told me that they just can't stand politics because it's too depressing and it's too negative. Fact, humans tend to prefer negative news stories. Why? Well, it's simple. Someone comes and tells you that everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Then what's the point of paying attention? You're like, well, I'm going to get back to work and do my thing. Someone comes and tells you a raging fire is heading your way. You want to know about it. But there are many people who don't want to know about it anymore because, well, it's depressing, I guess. What do you do? How do you handle it? I don't know what to tell you, man. You know, I, I'd much prefer to make a video about Starfield or Baldur's Gate, which we talked about a little bit last night. Video games, for those that don't know, and the political controversy around pronouns. Sure, I'll maybe talk about that later today. But this is serious stuff. When you have the breakdown in politics where a Democrat outright says we will not prosecute people who burn down homes, they won't do it. 
And the and leftist media attacks or or frames it as though it's the Republican targeting these peaceful protesters. You end up with people like Enrique Tarrio, who wasn't even at the Capitol or was he wasn't even in D.C. in January 6th, being sentenced to 22 years. Something before you is happening. I think it's fascinating to, 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 to see many of these leftists. Uh, one of the reasons I think many on the left have to eschew the idea of civil war is that there's no civil war if there's no conflict between factions. Then it's just a communist revolution. And as far as we're seeing right now, in many ways, the left has an edge in terms of the overt use of force. And they have for some time, obviously, when they riot, burn down buildings across the country, 30 plus people die and they get made. They've got a force advantage. However, culturally, when it comes to the big ones, Bud Light, Richmond, North of Richmond, Target, Sound of Freedom, we can see that the left is losing the culture war. Now, it is imperative that they downplay the idea of any conflict emerging and they keep telling you what's happening is actually normal and you should accept it. Certainly, no one should be violent. That is the path to defeat. What we need is a political and cultural victory, which we are on track for, as I mentioned. Donald Trump is currently the favorite in the polls. He's rivaling Joe Biden in swing states. According to a few of the polls, he's beating Joe Biden and Joe Biden's favorability is in the gutter. Kamala Harris is apparently saying she's ready to take over the moment Joe Biden can't do it. We'll see how this plays out. I insist that all of you remain optimistic. Conflict happens in this country all the time, and it has always been there, whether it's international or domestic. There is some kind of conflict. Now, perhaps it may be, especially in my experience, more people are saying that they've never seen it this bad. That doesn't mean things are going to devolve into abject chaos and that there's going to be a fracturing of the states or anything like that. But it certainly means that you should pay attention to what's going on and keep it in the back of your mind. Live your life, resist where you can, make money, protect your family, support cultural endeavors that benefit American values, put your money in programs that benefit American values, download the app Public Square, and just pay attention to what's going on. So in the event the fires start raging in your area, you can calmly and leisurely stroll to how you, however it is you plan to protect yourself. I hope that in the coming year, all of this simmers down, and that may be the case. But let me go through many of these stories and break down for you what brings me to my current position. And I think one of the challenges with the idea of civil war in the United States is that there is so much information to absorb and consider. Plus, you know, people can't see the forest when they're in the middle of it. I think a refresher would benefit many of you. And I think it requires a stoic, pragmatic and calm mind to genuinely assess what's going on. Many people don't like to hear it. It's bad. It's shocking. It's scary. Our optimism bias and our normalcy bias tells us none of this could ever happen. But as I often say, take the time travel test. Go back in time six years and tell yourself or, or anyone, anyone in the United States that, say, in six years, the leader of the Proud Boys and several of them will be sentenced to nearly two decades or more in prison by the government for terrorism charges related to trying to overthrow the U.S. government. And they will laugh in your face. Say Donald Trump will be accused of staging an insurrection to steal power. They will laugh in your face that 48 states would be involved in a lawsuit to, to, to the Supreme Court to stop the 2020 election or to challenge it at the very least Texas v. Pennsylvania. That happened accusations of widespread voter fraud, 
people won't believe you. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. I just wouldn't believe you. I know this because I'm currently living it. And I ask people to just consider where we are today and how, how, how far you think we've come. But let's take a look at this news and we'll go back in time to 2017 and we'll actually ask this question from then till now, six years ago. First, this is a story from the AP, and I think it's important to break down. They say 61 indicted in Georgia on racketeering charges connected to Stop Cop City. The fascinating thing is, take a look at this. The Stop Cop City effort has gone, gone on for more than two years and at times veered into vandalism and violence. Is that what you call shooting at police, burning down homes, tearing people from their vehicles, flipping it over and setting it on fire? Yeah, I call that terrorism. Opponents fear the training center will lead to greater militarization of the police and that its construction in an urban forest will exacerbate environmental damage in a poor majority black area. Interesting. When they talk about January 6th, what do they say? Far right extremists egged on by Donald Trump. You, you get it. There is clearly a corporate narrative. Interestingly, what I think is actually worrisome here is that they're saying this is it's the Republicans doing it. And this paragraph, I think, is important. They say the law center, SPLC, you all know the SPLC. They're upset that one of their lawyers was actually charged with domestic terrorism. They called it an example of heavy handed law enforcement. DeKalb County District Attorney Sherry Boston, a Democrat, mentioned her concerns about Jurgen's prosecution and announcing her June decision to withdraw from criminal cases connected to the movement, citing disagreements with Carr over how to handle the matters. Let's put it simply. A hundred plus far left extremists stormed government property. It has been an ongoing occupation. Again, a shootout occurred with the police. A cop was shot. They returned fire, killing one of the extremists. Would anyone believe you if you told them this six, seven years ago that there would be 100 plus extremists occupying federal grounds, firebombing police, burning down houses, shooting at cops. A cop shoots and kills one of them. They'd be like, get out of here. Would they have believed the Chaz or the chop? It's increments. Don't let the incremental nature of how these things come to be make you ignore the changes that we've experienced. More importantly, everything I've just said and the Democrat says outright, we will not be involved in these criminal cases. Are you kidding? The Democrat is going to walk away from what these terrorists are doing? It's partisanship outright. Of course, as I mentioned, Enrique Tario, he gets 22 years. Why? Well, look, it, it doesn't matter what you think. It really doesn't. The, uh, it, it matters that you know the truth. Enrique Tario was not there. 
The reason for the 22 years is because he egged on Proud Boys, according to the judge and the prosecution. The defense said he wasn't even in contact with any of the Proud Boys that day. But apparently he said things like don't leave and compared some of these individuals that were there to the founding fathers. And that's enough. Now, I'm sure Enrique Tario thought this was protected speech. What does don't leave refer to? Honestly, we don't know. If you're on the left, you're going to say he was organizing and telling everyone what to do. I think that's a load of hogwash. These guys didn't have any plans. They were unarmed and they were doofing about like idiots. But, you know, this is what happens with a Democrat administration targeting their political opponents as these things escalate. I'm curious about the, the quote, don't leave. Was he referring to before the storming of the Capitol? Was it after? That context matters. And we don't know for sure. I don't. I wasn't at the criminal trial. But you know what? If they did organize and they did do these things, fine, so be it. However, I think for the riot without the Capitol, what, what's justified? A couple years, maybe, for pulling down barricades, fighting with cops, pepper spraying them, smashing windows? Bad, bad stuff. And particularly offensive, you did it at the nation's capital. Don't get me wrong. Right? I think that's horrible what these people did. And I've long said, yeah, criminal charges. But what is that? 16 months? You rioted at the Capitol. The cops pushed you back. It was particularly bad. Maybe if we want to be extreme, three years. Nobody killed anybody. They smashed windows. A couple years, maybe. What are we seeing? You take a look at these people in Georgia. And the Democrats says, I'm not going to charge them at all. I'm not going to be involved. You take a look at January 6th. There are dozens, if not hundreds of people who did not riot, who did not storm the Capitol, but who bumbled about after a speech by Donald Trump with no idea what was going on, walked up to a building where there were no barricades. They'd been torn down. No signs. Police actually waving people in. That's a fact. Look it up. One guy was acquitted outright because there's a video of the cop waving him. Come on in. There's a video of the police opening the door saying, don't agree with it, but I respect it. Police officers taking selfies with people. How could any of these people, and I'm not talking about the violent rioters. I'm talking about the people who were just walking down the street and saw people going to the Capitol grounds, which typically is open to the public. They didn't even know they were trespassing. And some of these people are being sentenced to a year plus. Some of these people got a few months if they pleaded guilty and just admitted fault. Some of them have already got out. The shaman, of course, you know him. He's out. There's a clear bias in how things are going down. But let's advance, my friends. Rob Reiner, you know him, you love him. He said the leader of the Proud Boys was sentenced to 22 years in federal prison for violently storming the U.S. Capitol in an attempt to overthrow the government. He never would have been at the Capitol had it not been for Donald Trump. You do the math. Okay. Uh, Enrique Tarrio wasn't there. He's lying. Either Rob Reiner is maliciously evil or he's the banality of evil. But I think Rob Reiner is maliciously evil. I think he knows exactly that it's not true. How would he have heard about this otherwise? If you look at any of the headlines, they mention, for the most part, they say, uh, well, to be fair, the New York Times doesn't. Let's see that he was central to the role. They, they say central to the role, blah, 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 stemming from his conviction, most severe and like until now, the longest prison sentence. To be fair, they don't actually go in until, uh, look at this, of all the sentences, it was most notable because what it suggests about the state of the Proud Boys, they don't actually mention anywhere in the beginning. He wasn't even there. He wasn't even there. But I think Rob Reiner, he's active. He knows. A community note was added saying, while Enrique was sentenced to 22 years in prison, it was not for violently storming the Capitol. As ABC correctly reports, Tario wasn't present in Washington on the day of the attack. Take, take for it what you will. And then I will bring you all back in time. 
from The New Yorker. I've referenced this periodically over the past several years. It was the introduction into the foray of, are we headed towards some kind of civil war? August 14th, 2017, The New Yorker writes, is America headed for a new kind of civil war? The first time the question was posed that I remember seeing it. Go back six years and take a look at Charlottesville. What did anyone say about what was going on? Well, the consensus was, what a ridiculous fear-mongering article and it's a waste of time to talk about. None of this will escalate. You've got just political crackpots fighting in the streets and it will never reach the highest levels of government. Huh, about that. Now we know that um, Hunter Biden, uh, there's whistleblowers coming out saying that they were uh, informed about what was going on. The, the, the DOJ knew and they're giving special treatment to Hunter. We know that several, uh, we know that Joe Biden ordered the AG to go after Donald Trump. The front runner for the Republican nomination has been indicted, what, like 94 times. They're insane charges. They've, they've indicted his lawyers for simply providing him legal counsel. I'm right, talking about Jenna Ellis. You want to make arguments about literally anybody else? Fine. Rudy Giuliani and his crazy arguments. I still disagree. I think legal representation is protected. But Jenna Ellis? She's a, 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 a indictments one and two, counts one and two of the indictment, RICO and soliciting a, a violation of the oath of public office or whatever. Why? Because she was a lawyer. Insane. You take a look at what they're doing with Enrique Tarrio. 22 years, he wasn't even there. You take a look at the Democrats refusing to prosecute. You take a look at them paying out far left extremists. Oh, that I, I got those stories coming up for you. And you ask me, would anyone have believed we'd be at this point where at the highest levels of government, the president is ordering the arrest of his rival and they don't care? Sure, fine. Please, please convince me that this all just simmers down. I don't know that civil war is what happens. These are the articles that emerged. Let's go back in time. A day after the brawling and racist brutality and deaths in Virginia, Governor Terry McAuliffe asked, how did we get to this place? The more relevant question after Charlottesville and other deadly episodes in Ferguson, Charleston, Dallas, St. Paul, Baltimore, Baton Rouge, and Alexandria is where the United States is headed. How fragile is the Union, our republic, and a country that has long been considered the world's most stable democracy? The dangers are now bigger than the collective episodes of violence. The radical right wing was more successful in entering the political mainstream last year than in half a century. The Southern Poverty Law Center reported in February. Of course, this, uh, this writer, goes on to ask many national security experts who keep saying things like this could never happen. And at the time, this was Charlottesville. People thought, oh, come on. Is it really going to get worse than this? Probably not. I'd argue that it has. The Summer of Love riots, 30 plus dead. Now, it wasn't overtly political. It wasn't like people were marching in the streets. Oh, power, power flux. It wasn't like people were marching in the streets for a political cause. It was violence. It was rioting and things like that. But it did result in a lot of people dead. And it was the underlying cause was political. But I think a lot of rage pertaining to COVID. But let's come to the end of this because we got a lot to cover and hopefully the power doesn't go out. In the end, uh, let, me, let, me, let me jump to the end because I think uh, they, they talk a lot about what the FBI says we're going and yada, yada, yada. I think the general consensus they came to in this was that there is you know, a 35 to 90 percent chance of something happening. Uh, a civil war breaking out. This article is from 2017. But let me advance. The Independent. 61 stop cop city activists face RICO charges in Georgia indictment. The state's Republican attorney general is leading the prosecution. Sure. That's how the Independent will frame it. And they will, uh, I don't know if they, they point, point it out, but the Democrat is standing back. 
This will be the narrative. Moving forward, take a look at this. April 26, 2021, D.C. settles cases from protest arrest during Trump's inauguration. That's right. Far left extremists, hundreds of them, stormed the city, smashed windows, set fires. The police arrested them, charged them with conspiracy. Not only were most of them acquitted, some of them did plead guilty. Six cops were injured. The ACLU defended them and they ended up winning. The District of Columbia will pay $1.6 million to settle two cases that stem from D.C. police's arrest of hundreds of demonstrators during Trump's inauguration. The protesters, some of whom were gathered on the umbrella group Disrupt J20, planned to disrupt the inauguration and adjacent events such as the, the deplorable. I was there at the deplorable and at the riots. I saw the destruction these people waged. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S.? With more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S., they have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Then what? They got paid out. Perhaps you could argue the reason they got paid out was because we were not at that point. Now, if something like this were to happen, maybe they'll get domestic terror or RICO charges like we're seeing in Atlanta. Perhaps. All that means is escalation. But I don't think it's correct. Here's from the AP. As of August 28th, Denver to pay $4.7 million to settle claims it targeted George Floyd protesters for violating curfew. So you mean to tell me when the far left extremists go around smashing things in widespread protests, a riots, the worst we've seen in 50 years, they get paid, baby. Incredible. Sure. I'll bring it back in time. 2019. So we go from 2017. We see these payouts. Now we have 2019. Princeton professor, we are in a cold civil war. A cold civil war. Wow. Bold claim. Princeton professor. Eddie Glaude Jr. responding on Sunday to the shooting deaths of at least 20 people in El Paso said the U.S. is in the midst of a cold civil war. What happens when we use language like infestation? You set the stage for people who are even more on the extreme to act violently. Now, you may think this guy is wrong. He says we are in a cold civil war and there are some people who bear the burden of it. Maybe you think he's nuts. Maybe you think he's wrong. But this was four years ago. I bring you back to an article over a year ago. This is actually almost almost two years now. This is from The Guardian. U.S. closer to civil war than most would like to believe new book says. Maybe these people are all liars. Maybe they're all grifters. Fine. But how do you how do you how do you deal with these these facts that we're seeing? 22 years in prison for Tario, 17 for Biggs, plus two and a half already served. Several Proud Boys. What was what was it? Biggs got a terror charge because he tore a barricade down. Shouldn't have done it. It's bad. But two decades. Wow. The guy who burned down the police station in Minneapolis got four years. 
Joe Biden staff members donated to bail these people out and Kamala Harris directly solicited money to bail out these extremists. Fascinating. Barbara F. Walter, not Walter is Walter, is a uh, former member of a C of a key CIA advisory panel, particularly on civil wars, political instability task force, political science professor at the University of California at San Diego, wrote a book basically saying that we are uh, inching towards or on the verge of a civil war. The U.S. is closer to civil war than any of us would like to believe. The analysis by our Barbara F. Walter, a professor at university, I said this already, is contained in the book due out next year. Okay. Shock content made to sell a book. Fine. Whatever. At this point, it's a meme, right? This professor, you've got this New Yorker article from six years ago. All of these people are simply writing shock content. Maybe the case. Maybe that's it. I am not someone who simply comes out and just says, hey, I think people fighting in the street mean civil war. My view on this started with the article from The New Yorker outright saying that some some national security experts think it's like 90 plus percent chance based on what we're seeing. I have another article for you. A new book imagines a looming civil war over the very meaning of America. Journalist Stephen Marsh envisions multiple scenarios propelling the country into conflict. We interviewed Stephen Marsh. It was fascinating. We completely disagreed on, on, on matters of fact, and he's completely wrong about a lot because he lives in the world of the corporate narrative. He, uh, he believes in the multicultural democracy. But one thing we both agreed on is that with these disparate views of the world, in, or, or, of the, of the world views and what's happening in this country, it seems like we are entering a civil conflict. What you end up with is a multicultural democracy in the United States fighting with a constitutional republic. Perhaps those are the two parent factions. I believe in the constitutional republic. Stephen Marr says he believes in the multicultural democracy. I told him, you realize the multicultural democracy seeks to subvert and supplant the existing constitutional republic. Thus, it is your worldview that is waging war on ours. Yep. And that really explains that those who believe in the constitutional republic are sitting back and saying we must adhere to the system while the subversives are saying by any means necessary. We see this said a lot. I think Marion Williamson said it. The old world is dying and the new world struggles to be born. It's fascinating what that means. It is a creepy and disgusting worldview, but I don't completely agree. I think the old world has died and there are two new worlds seeking to be born. The establishment machine is in shambles. That's the reality. Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders represent the two new visions. One, relying on our constitution our constitutional republic systems, but a dramatic change to how things have been operating for some time. More libertarian, more secular in a lot of ways, but respecting of tradition, not adhering to the way things had been over the past several decades with a political elite ruling over you. You then have the other new vision, which is a multicultural democracy. The establishment that controlled this country seems to have lost power, presumably being born of the Civil War or strengthened or born in 1913 with the creation of the Federal Reserve. It's hard to know for sure when it began, but there has been an establishment machine in this country for a long time and it is dying. So it's interesting. I don't see it as the old world dying and the new world struggling to be born. It is the old world dying and the children of the old world are fighting for who will be the dominant cultural force. For a lot of reasons, I think we win. It's not left and right. It's not socialist or capitalist. It really isn't. It is constitutional republic versus multicultural democracy. 
That is one component. Don't get me wrong. Libertarian versus authoritarian, capitalist, socialist. These things do play a role in this. And everyone's always trying to figure out, is it nationalist versus globalist? All of these things make up whether it is a constitutional republic waving an American flag or an entirely new multicultural democracy. That's why they keep saying our democracy. They're not talking about you when they say this. When the left says our democracy, they're referring to their tribe and their cult and those who adhere to it. They wave a new flag. They fly their new flag at government buildings. Yeah, it very much is happening. Now, look, in the long run, whatever it may be, I don't see a faction surviving if they sterilize their kids, abort their kids. And, uh, you know, that one's fairly obvious. They're losing the culture war. They're losing money. Bud Light is losing money. Netflix is losing money. Disney is losing money across the board. The attempts at their world don't make sense. And so the new constitutional republic based system, I think, will succeed. And I do think it's a new system because it eschews the Republican Party for a new kind of leadership based on the Constitution and restoring our rights and our values. I'll give you an example of what I mean by this is this is not the old world. This is the new. You didn't have the right to keep and bear arms in this country for a long time, and you didn't have the right to free speech. George Carlin got arrested for obscenity because he, sw- he was swearing on the radio. In the 80s, you couldn't even get a gun in this country. In 2008, we got DC versus Heller, and they said, you have the right to keep and bear arms. This is the emergence of a new view based on the Constitution. Even when the Bill of Rights came to be, I think it was 1789, you didn't have free speech. They said you did, but you could be arrested for blasphemy. You could be arrested for sedition. You could be arrested for obscenity. Our view of free speech has dramatically expanded and is very, very different to what once was 10 years ago. Take a look at the expansion of gun rights massively expanding. We had the Second Amendment, yet they still passed the NFA and they reformed it over and over again and banned weapons. And now more states than ever are enacting constitutional carry. This is new, but it's based on our Constitution. A new world emerges before us. Here we go. The Washington Times. And Democrats starting a second civil war before it begins. Liberals prosecute, persecute Trump and his advisors. This is from July 25th, 2023. They say roughly half of Republicans and over a third of Democrats believe our country is on the brink of a civil war. If such an unthinkable war breaks out, it will be the Democrats fault, they say. Well, you see where we're going. I think I have a couple more. Here we go. The L.A. Times says worried about another civil war. It's not imminent, but the narrative is out right there. I want to show you this from the Boston Globe 2020, July 26, which ends by saying. The Intercept, a left wing news outlet, uh, at one point giving an interview to The Intercept, saying, uh, uh, let's let's okay." in the mock election, Trump sought to divide Democrats at one point, giving an interview to The Intercept, saying Bernie Sanders would have won if Democrats had nominated him, perhaps. Meanwhile, Biden's team sought to encourage large Western states to secede unless pro-democracy reforms were made. Let me slow down. The context of this, a war game was held before the 2020 election as to what they would do in the event Trump won. It was held, they say bipartisan, but it was never Trump or Republicans and establishment Democrats. They basically played Dungeons and Dragons, but American politics rolling die to see what would happen and things like that. In their scenario, in their view, the establishment thought it preferable that Western states secede from the union. The Boston Globe reported this. I don't know that actually happens. I'm just saying the sentiment, the language, it is all there right before us. Where are we today? Street violence is worse than we've seen in a long time. And again, 
I always say, take the time travel test. No one will believe you. No one, I'm sorry, I should say, no one would have believed you. If you go back to 2017 and discuss these ideas, and I know because this is what I got every time I brought this stuff up. So let me put it this way. First, it is fascinating to me that there are people on the left who say, you know, aha, here goes Tim Pool talking about civil war again. Ha, it's stupid. And I'm just like, I just laid out for you all of these articles. Google search it. There's hundreds, if not thousands of articles, all entertaining the same possibilities. Not something I made up. Never something I made up. I don't know exactly what happens. But I do think it's fascinating that there are people who are so blinded by the incremental changes we have seen over the past six, seven years. They still act like nothing is happening. Maybe it's because they need to maintain that nothing is happening so that nobody says anything. You know, one of the big stories right now is a new video game came out called Starfield that includes your ability to choose your pronouns. And the left is mocking those who are upset about it. In the game Baldur's Gate, not only can you choose, I don't think you can choose pronouns, but you can make, they have body types, one, two, three, four. It's like skinny male or female and fat male or female. And then you can choose an identity. So you can be a male bodied person with a female face, a male voice, but identify as a woman. All of that is in these games. They, they are claiming that nothing is happening and there is no civil war and calm down, go to sleep. Because if there is no cultural effort, if there is no activity from the right, it is simply a communist revolution. But if the right says no and they play this game strategically and resist, well, then it's fifth generational civil conflict. And I say civil war because it could be psychological. It could be Trump winning. And then, you know, it could just be civil strife. It may not ever escalate to the point of warring factions. But I'll say two things. The first, Stephen Marsh, he wrote the book. He says we are definitively in civil strife. This is like bleeding Kansas. He says it outright. Civil strife is when I think more than 70 plus people are killed every year over politics. And he says, we've been in this for actually some time and it's escalating. That's like the bleeding Kansas phase, which happened seven years before the Civil War. The other thing I want to mention, people often say, and I think, you know, some of these articles that I pulled up actually bring this up. There's no appetite for civil war. Nobody's going to fight. Most people don't want to fight. And you see these things from people on, on Twitter. They're like, oh, Tim Pool's too online reading these articles. Most people don't care. I find it fascinating. I want you to Im- imagine this. You are in, uh, let's say you're in Atlanta in uh, uh, 1860. You walk outside and you look at your neighbor and you say, are you angry? No. Are you angry? No. Nobody wants to fight. (laughs) Well, yeah, dude, you're in Atlanta. Everybody agrees with you. Today, it is mostly these leftists who walk out of their homes in their urban liberal centers and say, nobody here wants to fight over anything. We all agree on everything, dude. Are you kidding? MAGA country, you can see it pronounced between Oklahoma and Colorado. Oklahoma who banned abortion outright and Colorado who removed all restrictions on abortion, even up to the point of birth. That those two worldviews do not coexist. I don't know what that leads to. I'm just saying. Perhaps the issue is when these people walk outside of their houses, they see nothing but people who agree with them and say, I don't see anybody wanting to have conflict. But when you look at the bigger picture, you see states that completely disagree to the point where There's real fear over what happens. Children being castrated and sterilized, kidnapped. States like Washington protecting the kidnappers. That's right. Washington says you can bring a child there and they will not prosecute you. That's horrifying. You cannot. And I don't know that abortion becomes the catalyst, but let me stress. 
You cannot exist in a country. And I see people on the right saying this is the way it should be. States should decide. Sure. You can't have a functioning country where states determine who gets human rights. It is partially what led to the first civil war, the question of slavery. When some states said these are human beings with civil rights, inalienable rights, and they cannot be owned. Another state saying, actually, they can be. Now, there's a lot more to the Civil War than just that. Don't get me wrong. A lot more. It's very complicated. But you take a look at where we are now and whether or not abortion is the catalyst or politics, I honestly don't know. But you tell me how a country can exist when they guarantee human rights under the Bill of Rights, but cannot figure out who is human and who isn't. Right now, the question is, do unborn babies have human rights? Here's the problem. At eight months gestation, that baby can survive on its own easily. But Colorado says you can terminate its life. Why? Well, it's inside the body of another person. My question is, well, why not just remove the baby, but, you know, alive and let it live? Colorado says that baby has no sovereign rights over its own life because it is covered by a layer of flesh of another person. Oklahoma says, no, that baby is alive. And Oklahoma actually says, as soon as it's conceived, it's a human life. How can you enforce the law if you cannot determine who, who gets rights? You know, what's fascinating is um, I went to the Outer Banks for Labor Day. It was really fun. They got wild horses running on the beaches. They say you can't get within 50 feet of them. The horse can go and do whatever they want. I thought it fascinating. Why is it that you can put up a no trespassing sign? The horses can jump right over the little, the little barrier and do whatever they want. The horses are not subject to human law. And it was funny. My girlfriend was like, yeah, well, we're not subject to horse law. You know what I mean? Like the horses will set territory and be like, stay out of my, or like wolves will, and we don't abide by their laws. And I'm like, it's funny though. If someone has human rights, they also have human responsibilities. We determine that these horses are free to do whatever they want and they're protected actually. Think about it this way. One state says this is a human. One state says this is not a human. How does the constitution apply to them if two states don't agree they're human? Again, I don't know that abortion becomes the catalyst for civil conflict. I'm just telling you outright, ladies and gentlemen, you have a nation that is divided as to whether or not the federal government, the federal law protects an individual. Oklahoma may have a federal court that says, you know, this this unborn life is protected under the 14th Amendment. It says human rights, blah, 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 despite not being born. Colorado's federal court then says, no, we disagree. You tell me that it plays out, how that will play out. I don't know for sure, but I've gone long, so I'll wrap it up there. By all means, tell me I'm wrong. Please feel free to challenge these articles and explain why they're wrong. And I accept your argument. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just letting you know these things are happening. What happens next? I can't see the future. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. It's a story you've all been waiting for. Tucker Carlson's interview with Larry Sinclair, a man who claims that he engaged in adult relations with former President Barack Obama while he was a state senator. And I will say right off the bat, I don't care. It's nonsense. I think this is WWE style political drama. There is no legitimate political reason. Well, let me slow down. There's no legitimate factual reason to interview a con artist and crackhead who's making these absurd claims. I'm not a fan of this. I wasn't a fan of it when they did it to Brett Kavanaugh. I'm not a fan of it now. That being said, I applaud Tucker Carlson for doing it. You know why? Welcome to the tit for tat world of politics. So to clarify, 
There's a political reason to do this, to attack the Democrats, I guess, to make them look like degenerates, to strike at the credibility of the Obamas, maybe to prevent Michelle Obama from gaining traction or to create just some negative press around the Obamas. Fine, whatever. Simply put, the Democrats, the left and the media in this country entertained the most psychotic lies you could imagine about Brett Kavanaugh. Tucker Carlson is simply engaging in the exact same behavior. Now, me, I'm no fan of it. I don't care if it's Tucker or anyone else doing it. But I can certainly understand that if you're playing a game, as I described, like Monopoly, and you're watching the opponent cheat over and over again, and you keep just playing by the rules, you're going to lose. This is Tucker Carlson saying, if you can pull cash from the bank in Monopoly, so can I. And that's the game. It's the game that Democrats created. It's the game they wanted to play. It's how we ended up with a lopsided Supreme Court. Democrats wanted to get rid of the nuclear or use the nuclear option so they could steamroll through. And they were warned, if you remove the filibuster, we are going to steamroll in Supreme Court justices. And that's exactly what Donald Trump did. Now they want to play this game. They want to keep playing games they cannot win. You know, for a long time, the Democrats had institutional control. And that's uh, not so much the Democrats, but the uniparty. As they now lose institutional control, they're going for this game of manipulation and force, which I do not believe they can win without culture. And as we see the fault, the failings of many of these big corporations that get woke and go broke, I can say outright, you opened the door to these lies and manipulations and good luck fending them off when the media apparatus is shifting and going independent. But let's talk about the claims. And more importantly, this segment is not so much about the veracity of the claims against Barack Obama. I think it's probably nonsense. Maybe it's true, but probably not. It's probably just grifter is going to grift. A guy wants to make these claims because it makes him money or generates notoriety. He's made these claims going back all the way to, I think, pre-2008. Nonsense. But the bigger story in all of this is the political space and what it has become, what we are doing and why we're doing it. Because it's multi-layered. Earlier this morning, I did a segment talking about civil war and how we get to this point. It is not so much that people want to fight. Most people just want to be left alone. But the issue is that politicians generate votes by claiming to be one side or the other. And that is you'll get grifters on the Internet propping up a story because it generates points for them. And you'll get politicians reacting to those stories and saying, if you vote for me, I will engage in this circumstance with how you want it engaged. For instance, there's a, in, in a lawsuit against Trump in, in New York, the judge wants an uh, I'm the lawyer wants an immediate verdict. Just skip the trial and say Trump's guilty. These are people who are saying, if you vote for me, I will go after Trump. I will go after the far left. And that's all you get. Now, instead of saying, I'm going to fix health care, I'm going to end the wars. It's we are going to bring accountability to the evil people. You know what I think? For the longest time, Democrats have played dirty and evil games. That's it. And the right, whether it's post-liberal, former Democrats or other conservatives or otherwise, have always just said, we'll play by the rules. Well, now that's broken. And this is what you get. Here's the story from Indy 100. Tucker Carlson to interview con man who claims he slept with Barack Obama. Oh, boy. Tucker Carlson announced he has interviewed the man who claims to have had sex with Obama in 1999, with the interview to be released Wednesday. Uh, I just want to say this. It's coming out in a few hours. I don't care if Obama did. Uh, it's it's whatever. But you know what? It gets clicks. I think the tweet 
the pre the trailer for the episode has like 40 million tweet impressions. So uh, yeah, you want to play political entertainment news? This is what you get. Since Carlson was let go from Fox earlier this year, he's begun his new show, Tucker on X. On Tuesday, Carlson released a clip with Larry Sinclair, the man who is claiming he had sex with former President Obama. In the clip, Sinclair also claims to have smoked crack with Obama. In the minute long clip uploaded by Carlson X, Sinclair tells Carlson that he pulled up in a bar outside and there's this guy introduced to me as Barack Obama. Well, here's the clip. 50.2 million tweet views. And it's only a minute long, so uh, I hope you're ready for this. Here we go. Actually, let me make sure I have the uh, audio set properly, as I always. You're just a guy who's in town for the night, and it sounds like you're looking to party. Soon. Yeah. Pulled up in a bar outside, and there's this guy that's introduced to me as Barack Obama. I had given Barack $250 to pay for Coke. I start putting a line on a CD tray to snort, and next thing I know, he's got a little pipe and he's smoking. So I just. I'm going to pause. Well, I'll play a little bit more. Started rubbing my hand along this thigh to see where it was going. And it went the direction I had intended it to go. I'm going to pause there. I don't want to uh, have it go too far. He elaborates a little bit more than that. But, uh, you know, in the event you've got kids hanging out, we'll just leave it at that and let the innuendo be the innuendo. Now, here's why there's credibility to this story. And it's all starting to come out now. Don't get me wrong. The Larry Sinclair story has been around for a very long time. The, the story emerged around, I think, 2008. And the interesting thing there is that there is a previous interview with Dinesh D'Souza. D'Souza, I pronounce it. Uh, sorry, Dinesh, where I uh, get your name wrong, where uh, Larry Sinclair says that after he came public, he went public and said that he engaged in these activities doing drugs and having adult relations with Barack Obama. He was indicted two weeks later on false charges. Take it or leave it. I'll tell you what this may be. A guy who is a con man with a large rap sheet is being targeted. And so he says, "Okay, one way to cause damage is to make false claims. However, considering how far back this story goes, it's entirely possible. And considering what we know about Barack Obama's proclivities, there is reason to believe it actually might be true. Take a look at this story from the New York Post, which is going viral. Barack Obama told X that he, well, let's just keep it, we'll keep it a little vague. He fantasizes about men, about engaging in adult relations with males. Former President Obama wrote of his own androgynous mind and making love to men daily in his imagination, according to the redacted portion of a notorious 1982 letter obtained by the Post. The more than 40-year-old letter to an ex-girlfriend recently resurfaced after Obama biographer David Garrow gave a long and winding interview on the one-time commander-in-chief. In regard to, well, I'm not going to read the quote from Obama, but it's in the letter where he basically says that uh, he, he fantasizes about men. When he was younger, he made this claim in a letter. We now know the letter exists. The statements are, uh, according to all of these different news outlets, correct. And this is causing a resurfacing of the story pertaining to Larry Sinclair. Now, we have this article from the AV Club in 2020 talking about Dinesh D'Souza and his uh, uh, Trump card film. And they mention Trump card. 
Dinesh D'Souza's fifth biannual election season exercise in creative nonfiction filmmaking trots out his usual array of racist dog whistles, low production value historical reenactments, and interviews with a dizzying, dubious array of subjects. This round's guests include former Trump associate George Papadopoulos, who served 12 days in federal prison for lying to the FBI about his contact with Russia, and C-list conspiracy nut Larry Sinclair, who gets another chance to trot out his claims that he had adult relations with Barack Obama. Oh boy, here we go. The pink news. Where it gets interesting is that the left's response to this is that based on hearing this news, they like Barack Obama more. I don't know exactly what the point is of Tucker Carlson interviewing this guy other than it's sensational, gets clicks, and everybody wants to talk about it. Again, I actually look forward to moving past this so we can talk about the grifting nature of the modern media and what it's doing to society. But let me just give you the basic update. The left response. Pink News says Tucker Carlson criticized over interview with criminal who claims he had gay sex with Obama. They go on to mention on Wednesday, there's the interview, of the clip, blah, blah, blah. His allegations are compounded by the fact that he's a long criminal record dating back to the 80s, including convictions for forgery, fraud and larceny. He served prison sentences in the states of Arizona, Florida and Colorado. In addition, in the early 2000s, Sinclair signed an affidavit stating he is terminally ill, seemingly in the hope of getting a warrant dismissed. Ex-users were quick to criticize Carlson for giving a platform to the convicted criminal, as well as dredging up conspiracy theories which reek of homophobia. Ah, and there it is. There it is. There it is. You got to say, how dare you? Influencer Matt Bernstein wrote in a tongue-in-cheek post, Tucker Carlson has a history of reporting LGBT stories with honesty and integrity. Ha ha. Meanwhile, liberal fake news website, The Palmer Report, I love that. Tucker Carlson's relevance ended the minute he lost his spot on cable news. Now, like so many irrelevant has-beens, he's resorting to humiliating himself with nonsensical antics in a desperate attempt at getting people to remember he exists. Now, I'll tell you what I think this is. I think this is the Christine Blasey Ford. This is the rebuttal to that. Uh, what's that other woman's name? I have that. I have that story pulled up. Julia, uh, Julie Swetnick. Let's talk about this and we'll talk about the tit for tat nature of what you have created, leftists and Democrats. Who is Larry Sinclair? He first told his story in 2008. Now, a lot of people are saying that he's a con artist and a crackhead with missing teeth. That is a bit unfair. The story goes back 24 years. OK, he was a bit younger and I don't know if he was missing teeth back then. So I don't know how old he is now. Obama is what, 62? So he's claiming that 24 years ago, Obama was a bit younger. And this is when they engaged in adult relations. The guy's now older, so he looks the way he looks. This is the modern state of politics. You may be saying it's stupid. I don't care. Fine. You're allowed to think so. I don't like these stories. It's a waste of time. But you know what? This is what it is devolved into. I'm not going to uh, celebrate Tucker Carlson playing the same game, but I will applaud him. Let me, let me clarify. I, I will not applaud Tucker Carlson for doing WWE politics. I will applaud him for countering. I'm not a big fan of where all this is going. But I understand why he's doing it. And it is more complicated than just he's a grifter trying to make money. Mm, no, I think Tucker Carlson's saying, if you want to throw mud, we throw mud back. How about this? Christine Blasey Ford's testimony, how, Chris, how her testimony changed America. She lied. She lied. Come on. There's no question. Remember this? 
Brett Kavanaugh, what was the story? Well, Brett Kavanaugh was a federal judge. He was already vetted to be a federal judge. So to make him a Supreme Court justice, it's kind of a routine procedural thing. You've already been vetted. You're a federal judge. Congratulations. Now, if he wasn't a federal judge and they wanted to get like some other legal scholar appointed to the Supreme Court, sure, fine, whatever. But here we go again. In the vetting, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford made up the most psychotic story one could ever imagine, and the left pretended that it was real. For real. No sane, rational person actually believed what this lying psychopath had to say. And this is the nature of the culture war and brooding civil strife, whatever you want to call it. Evil, deranged psychopaths like Christine Blasey Ford and Julie Swetnick lying in insane ways for political power. Now, come on. We know they're lying. They know we know they're lying. They do it anyway. Why? They want you to be afraid. They want you to know they can say whatever they want, no matter how stupid and psychotic it is. And people will bend the knee. Oh, let's break down her story and why she's a liar. First, said she had anxiety and she feared flying. And then she was questioned about all the vacations she took. She said she had to install a second door in her home because she was scared and needed alternate egress. Okay, well, a lot of houses have multiple entrance and exits. Turns out she was actually just doing an Airbnb or something like that. She's lying. Her story, 30 some odd years ago at a party, Brett Kavanaugh threw her on a bed and held her down. And then his friend jumped on the bed and they rolled around and she got up and left. That's it. That's the story, I guess. Her friend said, I have no idea what she's talking about. I don't even remember that. That's right. Her friend who was apparently with her at this time at this party is like, I have no idea what she's talking about. Christine Blasey Ford is a liar. She lied. Brett Kavanaugh, just some dude, he gets brought in, accused of the most vile and psychotic things you can imagine. Take a look at this from Vanity Fair. Is Avenatti's gang rape bombshell the end of Brett Kavanaugh? 2018. That's right. Here you go. You ready for this one? Julie Swetnick signed affidavit, a veteran of several government agencies, holding security clearance. She uh, claimed, she swore under oath, that she attended at least 10 parties where she says she witnessed Kavanaugh, Mark Judge, and others cause girls to become inebriated and disoriented so they could be gang raped in a side room or bedroom by a train of numerous boys. She added that she has a firm recollection of seeing boys lined up outside rooms as many of these parties waiting for their turn with a girl in the room, including both Judge and Kavanaugh. Wow. So when a guy comes out and says that he once bought drugs for Obama, and I think we know Obama did a bunch of drugs, and Obama, we know Obama has fantasies about doing dudes, and a guy's like, yeah, I, we hooked up. It's not even the most remarkable story. I got to be honest. You're talking about the South Side of Chicago. A dude says that he was slinging drugs with another dude, and they hooked up, and I'm like, okay, welcome to Chicago, I guess. Am I supposed to believe that doesn't happen? The question is whether or not you believe Barack Obama would do something like that. Well, I don't know what Barack Obama does. Or whatever he's into, just because president doesn't mean he's a good person. Are we going to sit here and claim that Trump isn't lewd and lascivious and doesn't have multiple wives or whatever? Come on. Trump's, ha Trump's got his character flaws. He is a, uh, what's, the, what's the word? A player or whatever? I don't know. He's a rich guy who bragged about how you can grab women. We get it. You think Barack Obama, another high value male, as they like to call it, wasn't engaging in these behaviors? Come on. It's nonsense. Let's break down where we're at. They claim that Brett Kavanaugh, a family man, was engaged in parties where men lined up outside of the rooms and ran trains on girls by force. Okay, I'm sorry. That one, 
is out there. Why? Because it doesn't happen. If something like that were to ever be reported, it would be the biggest scandal in the country. We had the Duke lacrosse team and that lady of the night and the claims made regarding that. We know that it was mostly false. But you have one woman say like, oh, look what these guys did. And it's the biggest scandal. You're telling me that at this school you have witnesses and no one ever said anything. Yeah. Outright lies and psychotic behavior. This is the story that precipitates what you get with Larry Sinclair and Barack Obama today. Now I know, <coughs> excuse me, Larry Sinclair has been talking about this stuff for a long time. The press didn't report on it. It wasn't in the mainstream. It wasn't in the news. Tucker is reviving these stories. Dinesh revives these stories because of what we're seeing here. You want to play the game? They'll play the game. This is where it all goes. Let's talk about our good friends, the Krasensteins. Ed Krasenstein says, if you're going to believe a random guy in Tucker Carlson's show who claims to have done something with Obama, yet not believe a woman who successfully sued Trump for defamation and assault in a court of law, you're showing your bias. Well, I'll pause right there. The woman who claimed that Donald Trump had his way with her in um, that, that department store where nobody was around for whatever reason, she sued him for defamation or something. It's the most insane story I've ever heard. Donald Trump, arguably one of the most famous men in the world at the time, especially in New York, entered a department store where seemingly no one was around and the changing rooms, which are normally locked, were somehow open this time around. Nobody noticed. So they went inside and they hooked up. That's the argument. It's nonsense. These are people just making up stories. That's why I don't care for this guy, Larry Sinclair. I've had stories made up about me nowhere near as insane as this. But people have made up stories about me, which are just outright false. My favorite was someone who tweeted, Tim Pool shut up to my house at two in the morning, went inside and turned the TV on and woke everyone up. And there were people responding in earnest like, wow, I can't believe he'd do that. Like, are you crazy? You really think that I sitting in the same room on camera every day, traveled halfway across the country in the middle of the night, went to someone's house and turned it. Sure, whatever. OK, OK, to be fair, the accusation they're making was from before I was doing two shows every day, you know, sun up to sundown. This is back when I was a traveling journalist on the ground and doing all that stuff. Now I'm doing more um, managerial type journalism stuff, phone calls, comments, research and commentary, which is a bit different. I do all of the story production for my morning show and for Timcast IRL. For the most part, sometimes people make suggestions, but I, I do. I do almost all of the fact checking and sourcing myself. They're arguing that while I was going to Spain or Ukraine or Turkey or whatever, that I happened to show up at their house at two in the morning. People believe it because this is the nature of politics right now. Whatever serves the purpose, whatever generates attention, it's where we're at. Ed says that's bias. Sure. He goes on to say America is made up of hypocrites. We are all hypocrites to some degree. We all use whataboutisms. We all have confirmation bias. We're all biased in some way. We all claim to love freedom. It justify reasons for taking other people's freedom away. We all create narratives, blah, blah, blah. No, that's just you, because I think you guys are evil people. This statement, when he says we are all, what he's really saying is he recognizes he is. And for that, he presumes and projects the world he sees onto other people. No, uh, let's break this down. I think it's fair to say we're imperfect and that we make mistakes and we try to be good. But I'll tell you this. I've long broken down the moral structures of our actual arguments and not the logical structures. We've had many a conversation on this show, as well as Timcast IRL, about a logical structure versus a moral structure. For instance, you get the right saying the parents have ultimate rights 
in what happens with their kids. And the left says as well, parents have the ultimate rights in what happens to their kids. When it comes to a parental rights on the right, they'll say something like, you know, uh, uh, you can't force a kid to get vaccinated, but they'll, they'll, uh, the complicated position here I'm trying to bring up is there is a, an imperfect, not necessarily mirror image view of what parental rights means. For the left, they'll say the government should be allowed to mandate vaccines because that's in the best interest. It's the right thing to do. Schools should do this to protect kids. And if the parents don't allow the kid to get vaccinated, we should protect the child. The right will have an inverted view where it's the parents have a right to stop it. So let's let's pause right there and talk about child transition as the simplest view of moral foundations versus logical ones. If a child says they want to get a sex change, a parent to the left who denies that is abusive. On the right, a parent who allows it is abusive. But they both argue the same thing, protecting the child. And that is where logic does not play a role. Uh, uh, it, It does. But let me clarify. The left says we must protect children. The right says we must protect children. But those statements don't describe the moral framework for what is allowed and what isn't. That is to say, if the child wants to get, you know, surgery, the parent should intervene to protect the child. So saith the adults. If the government wants to give vaccines, the parent should have the right to determine whether or not they do. So it's not I guess what I'm trying to point out, and I could probably be a bit more succinct as I have in the past, but my point is basically. It's not a simple line of here's the principle by which we abide by and we move forward because there are moral questions about when we accept something and when we don't. That's on you, Krasensteins, not on people who are actively trying to figure out what our moral frameworks are. Here's a video of Ed Krasenstein showing a video loop, which is just a gimmick. It's a car crashing, driving away, and the same car keeps crashing. And he says, can anyone explain what's happening here? Yeah, engagement bait. He's trying to get people to comment so he makes money. That's what he does. It's what they both do. It's their grift. Welcome. Shout out to the uh, response he made, and I'll wrap this video up with this. I tweeted, this is what Democrats fear, and it's an image of a super buff and ripped Donald Trump. I have been accused of trying to generate money by doing so. But in reality, the people claiming I'm trying to make money are trying to make money. If you look at my Instagram or Twitter history, well before there was monetization, I was posting these jokey, ridiculous posts. The gag is that Donald Trump is a portly fellow in his and who's nearly 80. And by having an image of him with his aging face on a ripped body, I am mocking the entirety of the political space. Of course, add response. I don't get it. Democrats fear Donald Trump wasn't out of shape. Why would Democrats care about what Donald Trump's chest, arms and abs look like? Does that make him more fearful? Question, 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 question. You get the point. The goal of this is that my post, which is clearly nonsensical, he's trying to generate engagement off of. Welcome to the modern era. You have a combination of people who despise the other side, who want suffering for their enemies. They like schadenfreude. And then you have people like the Krasensteins who will say literally anything to generate engagement because they're making a lot of money doing it. To be fair, I've made silly posts mocking the idea of engagement. But uh, dude, this is always what my Twitter has been. And I posted like, I've got a ripped Joe Biden post as well. Nobody seems to care about those. That's kind of the point. Democrats love talking about Trump. They don't care to talk about Joe Biden. But in the end, let me wrap up this video by saying this. If you wanted to know why Tucker Carlson's interviewing this person, you need look only at the modern state of affairs in this country. 
Either it's people who know they'll get engagement off of the conflict, people who are playing tit for tat, or people who want you to hate other people. Pick your poison, I guess. I'll leave it there. I look forward to seeing this interview. Maybe there will be proof. I really doubt it. Next video will be coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The new COVID vaccine should be ready by uh, uh, about next week. As early as next Wednesday, we will see the rollout of the vaccine that should be, they say, effective for the BA286 variant. As always, talk to your doctor about what's right for you. But let's talk about the politics of the matter. New COVID booster shots to be rolled out next Wednesday, but only 17% of Americans got the last one. I think for the most part, there is money to be made. A lot of people take a more political view of these things. But I think when it comes to the 2020 uh, mandates and things like that, guaranteed no liability contracts for big pharmaceutical companies, they will lobby for that all day and night. Here we are. They say the director of the CDC, Mandy Cohen, is expected to sign off on the shots on September 13th, making them available. CDC experts are yet to say who will be offered the updated vaccines, but the White House previously suggested they would be made available to all age groups. Only 17% of Americans have come forward to get a single updated booster since the two-dose regimen was expanded amid growing vaccine hesitancy and suggestions that middle-aged adults who have stronger immune systems do not need the updated shots. Listen, I got to tell you, while I think COVID is bad and it was really bad when I had it, you've got uh, a lot of people who've experienced it who uh, just don't really care all that much. As bad as it was for a lot of people, they probably got a weaker variant. It wasn't that bad. And they just don't think that much about it. That's the political view. Look, I'm not a doctor. You can you ask your doctor what makes sense for you. You're different. You're an individual, right? Some people are at risk. Some people are not. But I got to say, when the average person is not seeing like an airborne Ebola or anything like that, they're not going to care. And that's just the way it is. Not to mention, I think a lot of people are really distrusting of big pharma these days. So we'll see how this one rolls out. They say the updated boosters are mRNA vaccines that are being made by Pfizer and Moderna. They're designed to target the XBB 1.5 or Kraken variant that was dominant in the U.S. for most of the summer. But early test results from Moderna show the shot will also likely be effective against BA286 or Pirola, which has sparked fears over a fresh wave. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I think? It's less about any kind of vaccine and more about creating a narrative that there are going to be lockdowns coming. Whoopi Goldberg was out at The View because she tested positive for COVID. And what did Joy Behar say? It's back. Yeah, I don't think that has anything to do with a medical prescription. I think it has more to do with a political prescription, because I will say it again. Who the are these people on TV to come out stoking fear over a thing? OK, you want to get a doctor to talk about it, you get a doctor to talk about it. But this is the funny thing. That has always been interesting when it came to COVID. When it comes to celebrities telling you to, telling you to take medicine outright without a doctor, I was flabbergasted. You have the likes of Casey Neistat. He's a good dude. I know him. I think he's great. But he puts out a tweet saying, go get vaccinated. And I said, hey, come on, man. Like, go talk to a doctor. OK, some it's it, it, we, we want to make. Listen, let's be as neutral as we can on this. The vaccine should be for people who are vulnerable and need it. Oh, you can take any any direction you want. Some people don't trust it. Some people think everyone should get it. But isn't there a middle approach where we're just trying to be reasonable and say, if we're not being partisan, by all means, think whatever you want. But you go to a, talk to a doctor 
talk about your risk factors. And maybe he says yes. He probably will say will say yes. Why not? But I'm talking about don't we want elderly people to get it more importantly you know, than anybody else? You get these celebrities saying, go get it. And my response was, no, they should talk to a doctor first. And the response I got from Casey was weird. I pulled into a parking lot and they just gave me the shot. And I'm like, you drove to, you drove into a parking lot that a strange person outside your door just inject you like you, you got to go to a doctor, man. But that's my point. That's my point. My position has always been as it pertains to all of this lockdown stuff. Talk to a doctor. Find one you trust. There are a lot of people on the right who say, I can't trust doctors. You can't. Oh, come on, dude. You can find a doctor you can trust. OK, on the left. They outright said just to go to a parking lot to get it. And I'm like, isn't there like a middle ground or something? Yeah. Well, here's what I think. Outside of any of that, your views on medication, I think it's a component of the story. They are going to be bringing back some kind of mandates or lockdowns. It'll likely be what they did last time. They'll issue guidelines. The private sector will then adhere to these guidelines. There were governments involved. Democrat governors were, of course, like we better lock down. But a lot of these big corporations chose to do it based on guidelines and recommendations. We got this story from the National Review. Mask mandates return for Maryland Elementary School. Just one more school, one more school. We've already seen several uh, hospitals and several schools bring back these mandates. The the National Review reports one week into the 23-24 school year, a Maryland elementary school has reinstated mask mandates because three or more individuals tested positive for COVID, an email sent to parents said. Students and staff in identified classes or activities will be required to mask while in school for the next 10 days, except while eating or drinking. The Rosemary Hills Elementary School principal, Rebecca Irwin Kennedy, sent a letter to parents on Tuesday informing them of the mask policy. Kennedy also said in the email that at-home rapid test kits will be sent home and made available, blah, blah, blah. You get the point. We're hearing that in Israel, hospitals are now requiring PCR tests. Whoopi Goldberg, as I mentioned, not on The View. And Joy Behar says she's got COVID. It's back. What a creepy and disgusting thing to say. It's back. Oh, yeah. Just in time for 2024, huh? Sure. I'm not so convinced it'll play out the way the Democrats hope it will, because the last time around Trump was president, Trump got the blame for it. The Hill reports Biden tests negative for COVID-19 on Tuesday. Will mask around others. Yeah, here it comes. You know, a lot of people uh, in the media are saying it's a conspiracy theory that will be there, that there will be mandates or lockdowns, and they will maintain that position because any mandates that come will likely be private sector, Walmart, Target, big box stores, airlines, they'll require it, but the government won't mandate it. They'll recommend it. And then what happens? You're going to get these well-to-do liberal types who are going to be like, why aren't you wearing a mask? You have to wear one. You're going to get corporations saying, you know, we want it done. And then people are going to start wearing masks all over the place. I don't know exactly how this plays out. It may fizzle out. It may be nothing. But I got to say, it's a little weird that we're getting all of this news happening at once. Why is it that Jill Biden gets COVID? Whoopi Goldberg gets COVID. In Israel, they're requiring PCR tests. Mask mandates have come back to certain hospitals and schools. A new vaccine is being rolled out. Biden wants everyone to get the new vaccine. Fauci says he's concerned that if they issue a mask uh, guideline, people won't do it. All of that happens around the same time Alex Jones says he spoke to a TSA agent or employee who said they were going to be bringing back masks. Is it just all one big coincidence, man? So I'm not surprised if the average person is convinced we will see 
a return of mandates and COVID restrictions when all of a sudden, all at the same time, just before winter, just before 2024's presidential cycle, we get this news because we didn't get it in 2022 or 23. Things were relaxed. Now, all of a sudden, it's back. Political, huh? Check out Freedom Tunes. Seamus Coughlin has a great video about the, the, uh, the political nature of COVID. And in the video, I voice Dr. Fauci. Uh, so I recommend it. it's really good. But basically in the in the in the in the cartoon, the general idea is it's covid, the virus on a late night talk show saying he doesn't want to be political anymore. And then everyone's shocked and they want him to be political because covid was always political. And now we have an election cycle. And sure enough, it hath returned. Look, there's always going to be some October surprise. There's always going to be some political strategy. We have been locked in an election cycle since 2015. It has never ended. Politics has become pop culture and anything that creates a wedge issue or generates votes, power or fear will be maximized and utilized. Tucker Carlson says he does not think they will go this route, but I'm not so convinced. He says he thinks they'll start a hot war with Russia, which we're basically already in. I say, why not both? Some people are already suggesting that the purpose of mandates and lockdowns, it's going to be political to ramp us up and prepare us for war. I've talked about this before. What did the lockdowns and restrictions do? Decentralized our economy to a certain degree. Offices aren't centralized in New York City anymore. If all the employees of your company are in New York and then New York is under some kind of attack, how does your company operate? How does the American economy operate? Now you have remote workers. Now you have people moving to a bunch of different states and spreading out, moving to suburban areas, rural areas, Texas and Florida. That's beneficial for the United States in the event a war breaks out. The more we get remote work capabilities, we can maintain communications and economic operations in the event a city is hit by, uh, I don't know, nuclear weapon. But I don't know. Russian state TV said they will nuke the U.S., U.S. territory directly in retaliation if the U.S. engages in war with Russia. Maybe it's all hot air, or maybe we're getting a little bit of all of it. We don't know because, you know, there's confidentiality, there's top secret, etc. There's classified information. We could be on the brink of chaos, or it could all be media hype for money. It's up to you to figure it out because I don't have the answers. All I can tell you is all of these things are happening right now around the same time. And that's why people think it's likely coming. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The latest IP from Bethesda has dropped, Starfield. And already there's a whole bunch of culture war drama over whether or not the game is woke. But another new game is dropping on consoles. I believe it may have already dropped or dropping soon. It's on PC. It's called Baldur's Gate. Now, for those that don't know anything about these, fear not, they're video games. I'll give a general idea of what they are, but they are both introducing wokeness in their character creation models. A Trojan horse, as it were, for ideas that don't make sense, shouldn't exist, confuse young people, and oh boy, the leftists are getting really mad about this. I mean, they're rather happy that these games have introduced pronouns and gender identity. But uh, look, make a game. I don't care how you want to make it, but I'm going to criticize it because I'm allowed to and I have opinions. And if you like it, good for you. Play the game. I'd not recommend anyone get these games for their kids for a variety of reasons, not just relating to pronouns. I mean, these are games where you're shooting and killing people. And Baldur's Gate's definitely for adults because there's like nudity and adult interaction stuff like this. So fine. 
We talked about this a bit last night, but I wanted to go over it here on Timcast News Channel. So let's let's talk about it. <clears throat> it all starts here with Starfield. The gamer says Starfield isn't woke. You're just afraid of the future. Uh huh. What does that mean? Well, OK, as you're creating your character, you can give pronouns. Here's the funny thing about this. I've not played Starfield yet, but I've talked to some people who have. The idea that you need pronouns is nonsense. Why? Because people only use your pronouns when you're not there. So like, huh? If I'm not around, you better refer to me in a way I want to be referred to. Okay, you know, if you're the kind of person who insists upon that, then I'm probably just going to insult you. But fine, whatever. My understanding is that they've gone out of their way, excuse me, in this game to create circumstances in which they use your pronouns while you're standing right in front of them. Now, that is amazing. Apparently in the game, there are circumstances where you'll be in a conversation. Someone will say something and then the person will be like, well, yeah, ask him. Uh Uh-huh. Dude, those kind of circumstances are rare. If you are in a conversation, people won't typically just use pronouns like that. It, 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 It can happen, but they're intentionally trying to make it. Now, I guess the only pronouns they have in the game are she, her, he, him, and they, them, or whatever, or some combination. But congratulations. The argument they're making as to why they have this is that in the future, everybody just chooses their pronouns. No, dude, only your crackpot cult actually does this. And you are few and far between. To be fair, I suppose you made the argument that your worldview is predicated upon your psychotic death cult winning the culture war, but good luck on that. Ultimately, I care only a little bit. It's whatever, play the game or don't. Now, what I really love in the wokeness of games is Baldur's Gate. This is a Dungeons and Dragons style video game that uh, came out like a little while ago. It's being ported to consoles soon. And we have this from the Mary Sue. Bodies, bodies, Baldur's. Okay. Celebrating the trans inclusivity of Baldur's Gate 3. I'm just going to come out and say it. The way the character creation system is, if you randomize your character, you typically will get some kind of abomination. I know YouTube might not like, but I'm not talking about trans people, okay? Because the character creation doesn't even create a typical trans person. It creates a strange amalgam of identities akin to... Like, I don't know, a Cronenberg film. Let me explain. Baldur's Gate is particularly woke in that the character creation screen allows you to choose body types. Okay, that's fine. And they have, I think it's two male and two female body types, one larger and one smaller. Female faces, male faces, uh, androgynous faces, as well as secondary sexual characteristics like breasts, shoulders, facial hair, hair color, skin color, and whatever. Typically, when you're creating a character in a video game, let's say Fallout 3 or 4, for those that aren't familiar, just, it's just a video game. You create a character and uh, you will choose male or female and then you will randomize. Typically, when I play these games, I just choose random. I don't care. I'll be like, uh, give me a random character. I don't play. I don't know. I, I don't know how people typically play games. I don't view games as controlling myself. I view it as controlling a character and I'll make a character I think is interesting. For instance, playing Mario, I don't imagine that I'm Mario. So when I play games, I don't care to create a version of myself to be in the game. I guess some people do. I don't. I just like, give me a random character with a random name because it's it's ancillary, right? I guess it's a first person game. You can make the argument you're supposed to, but whatever. Baldur's Gate is third person, multi multi character party, RPG, turn based, whatever. When you're choosing your character, it allows you to pick body types, a male or female body type. 
a gender identity, voices, and secondary characteristics. So what happens? Okay. When you choose random, like I did, you get, uh, you'll get like an orc character with a big male face and masculine jaw and like a beard with women's hair, a female voice like this on a like, like woman's body with large boobs. And it's just like, okay. All right. Let me break this down. It's one thing to make a transmasculine character, as they call it, a character who has masculine features with a masculine voice, but skews towards the feminine and identifies as female. It's another thing to make an androgynous character, things that you'd typically expect in real life to make a character of yourself. My point is simply this. I don't care if you want to make a trans character. Literally no issue. The issue is the randomization of character creation mashes it all together and creates something not seen typically in the real world. Obviously, there's like elves and orcs and stuff like that and whatever, tiefling. Those aren't real creatures. But what I mean to say is you'll get a there. You, 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 it tends to make or at least in my experience when I'm pressing random. They're almost always not white because there's more skin tones that are not white than white. And I'm not saying there's an issue and that there should be more white characters. No, 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 that's not the issue. I'm just pointing out how the math actually breaks down. You're typically going to get a person of color with with a, 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 an amalgam of various sec- secondary sexual characteristics, creating a character that is just, I don't know, gigantic fangs, a masculine, big, hairy beard, like I mentioned, women's or the inverse a dainty small female face on a massively ripped body with a deep voice. And it's like that. I don't, I don't know. Like it, it breaks the randomization function of it. If you're like, like I said, look, if you're going to make a character and you want to have like a masculine body, but a female voice, cause you're trying to make yourself and you're trans or whatever. Like, yeah, I, I don't care about that. I kind of wonder though, wouldn't someone who is trans, like let's say you're male. Wouldn't you just make a typical female character? Typically the, the typical trans uh, issue is trying to be the opposite sex, right? Gender affirming care, they call it, is taking a male and giving them hormones. So they they present more female and softening their voice and removing facial hair, all of these things to simulate the opposite biological sex for which they're not. And females who are trans doing the other thing, like getting their breasts removed. So if you were playing a trans character, wouldn't or if you were trans, wouldn't you just make a character that was female if you identified as female? In which case, I'll put it this way. Let's if you're biologically male and you identify as female, you would make a female character that was female. If you were a female that wanted to be male, you make a male character that was male. What is the purpose of creating this randomized amalgam of all different races, sexes and whatever? And it just creates something really strange and the reason I say abomination is because it's more, uh, it's the uncanny valley. The uncanny valley, if, if you know, in CGI is where it gets too realistic, but not realistic enough. So it kind of freaks you out. If I saw a trans person, I'm like, okay, it's a trans person. If I see a trans man or trans woman, I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, do your thing. I have friends who are trans and I, you know, it's whatever. We've had them on the show. We're having a trans person on the show uh, this week. I'm like, do your thing, man. I'm, I'm, I'm more libertarian in that regard. But what if you saw someone who was like, I don't know, gigantic, like messed up hair in various ways. It's random colors with a like like hot pink hair and and a neon green beard with one boob. And you'd, you'd be like, is everything OK? I'm not ragging on people who are differently abled or appear that way. I'm just saying the game prioritizes a body type and pers- persona that does not exist. 
Ian said the same same thing. He said the character randomization created abhorrent characters. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Part of me, I don't really care if they're making character creation that is as widespread as possible. And you can quite literally make any character you want. If the end goal of all video games is going to be that you can create literally whatever your imagination is in whatever universe you want, probably. So I'm not surprised they've created these options. And simply put, for me, I really don't care. It ruined the randomization experience, but that's minimal. I just will make a regular character. And so eventually I did get like a normal character, like a half elf, like just like regular looking. And you make two characters or something like that. I usually just go for random. You know, I'm not super interested in in like making a character. I don't know, whatever. Make a character that's interesting. Uh, my, my view for the most part is just like, don't do it if you don't want to. I don't think there's pronouns in it. I think if you choose identity, they might do pronouns, which can be weird. If you like make like a dude character with feet with like a female identity and a male voice or whatever, they might say she, her, just whatever. But that's where language breaks down and things become illogical. And you can see that they're trying too hard. The bigger issue, I suppose, is don't buy the game if you don't want to support these endeavors and these pushes and that I can get. I had no idea when I bought the game. It's tough. We don't have other games, and it's a question of how much do you really care. For me, for the most part, I don't know. Many people have said that these features in the game are, they, they, they're normalizing. It's, it's normalizing the practice. Fair point. Don't buy the game. So I'm, I'm wondering if I should even bother with Starfield. People are telling me it's really bad. It may be. It's tough. I think we need a new gaming industry. We need to make our own games on par with these large games. These are complicated games. Baldur's Gate's particularly complicated in how it operates. I'm really impressed with the gameplay and the, and the mechanics and all that. And I'm not surprised people are getting upset about it. But, you know, whatever, man. Some people are a bit more bent of shape than I think they need to be. And, uh... Apparently, this all started because some guy went on a, a rant about pronouns in Starfield. But I've heard from people, it's pretty woke. Take it or leave it. Play the game or don't. Perhaps if people choose not to buy these games or reject them, these companies will back off from this. I kind of feel like ideology is re- less relevant here, though, because where we're heading in terms of character creation is, you know, eventually you're going to be able to play as a gigantic ball of gas. And then you're just going to like your character can be literally anything. If you could be a dragon or a gnome or a brick, eventually we get to a point where a game is just like literally create anything you want to be your character. And then what do we say? You can play as a statue. That's, you know, a guy made a solid gold. And you're going to be like, dude, you can play as literally you can be a carrot if you want, you know. So I don't I don't know what to say about this other than I thought it was interesting, but I'll leave it there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash Timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. Big controversy surrounding Liberty Safe after the company gave the FBI access codes to a man's safe. I'm really interested to see what the Daily Dot has to say about this because every leftist should be angry at learning that a company which provides security equipment to protect your belongings has a back door they can give to the feds. So let's read what the Daily Dot has to say. Liberty not so safe. Gun safe company flamed for giving FBI access to alleged Capitol rioters, rioters firearms. Goodbye, Liberty Safe traders to freedom and your customers. Daily Dot writes a popular gun safe manufacturer is receiving backlash from conservatives 
after helping law enforcement access a safe owned by a man who reportedly attended the Capitol riot. They went on to make a statement and they said, on August 30th, 2023, Liberty Safe was contacted by the FBI requesting the access code to the safe of an individual for whom they had a warrant to search the property. Our company protocol is to provide access codes to law enforcement if a warrant grants them access to a property. After receiving the request, we received proof of the valid warrant, and only then did we provide them with an access code. Liberty Safe had no knowledge of any of the details surrounding the investigation at the time. Liberty Safe is devoted to protecting the personal property and Second Amendment rights of our customers and has repeatedly denied requests for access codes without a warrant in the past. We do not give out combinations without proper legal documentation being provided by authorities. We regularly update our policies to ensure both compliance with federal and state law and reasonable consumer privacy protections within the law. First and foremost, Liberty Safe is committed to preserving our customers' rights, and we will remain unwavering in those values. My friends, a safe in which the access is granted to a third party you don't know about is anything but safe. Liberty safes are worthless. I'm going to stress that again. Uh, if you bought a safe and the access code was provided to someone else you didn't know, I wouldn't call that a safe. I would call it a cabinet, a hunk of garbage. But let's read. Liberty safe added that I was unaware of any details this we get. The man in question, 34-year-old Nathan Hughes of Arkansas, has been charged with a felony offense of civil disorder, as well as numerous misdemeanor offenses related to his actions at the January 6, uh, 2021. The popular conservative duo known as the Hodge Twins reportedly learned from Hughes, who they say is a friend of theirs, of Liberty Safe aiding the FBI. Given the apparent backdoor in the company's safes, conservatives immediately vowed to boycott Liberty Safe while bombarding it with complaints. Some right-wing users even began comparing Liberty Safe to Bud Light which was boycotted by conservatives after sponsoring a transgender influencer. This is interesting. They outright called it a backdoor. That's that is fair and correct. This is a backdoor, which should not. Oh, here's one. Liberty Safe's new ad campaign. And it's a safe full of Bud Light. Others threaten to return or cancel. The quartering said he ordered a seven thousand dollar Liberty Safe and he's going to call in and cancel the order. You should. And it's not political. Let it be political. But, dude, I'll stress it again. Yo. I don't know nothing about Liberty, but if it's true they have backdoor access to your safe, let's break this down. You buy a safe. Why? You don't want anyone getting access to your expensive guns, your equipment, and you want to be secure in your property. Now, maybe the left will come out and say, let's let's see, maybe do they make the argument? Just a bunch of people complaining. They don't really take a moral stance on this, which is which is interesting. Numerous users also questioned the wording of Liberty Safe's statement, suggesting the company was not required to help, help the FBI gain access, that the warrant was for Hughes and not the company itself. President Nonfud said, to be clear, if this wording is correct, the FBI had a warrant for the property, not for Liberty Safe themselves to give them access. Liberty complied with the request and did not offer resistance, such as we will provide you the code if you get a court order saying we need to. Yup, that is true and correct. One person said, I find it both incredibly and totally believable. Liberty Safe gave the FBI an unlock code for a safe, gave it to them. How about next time you answer, come back with a warrant after our lawyers spend a few weeks laughing at it, will respond, GFY. They don't really say much uh, for uh, Daily Dot, which is interesting. Normally, they'd be very critical and insulting to uh, anyone on the right. But I think they recognize what this means. The left often complains about the government breaking into secure systems and Liberty Safe provides backdoor access to the government upon request, not even with a court order, according to the story. Let me give you a scenario as to why 
I personally would never buy a Liberty Safe. Uh, Liberty Safe has how many employees? Let's uh, let's let's look up Liberty Safe on Wikipedia. Liberty Safe, they uh, founded in 1988. Doesn't say how many employees they have. Uh, usually, you can see how many. Uh, 500 safes per day. Wow. 350 people are employed. Okay. Let me tell you guys about security. Yeah, you know, I grew up in and around the hacker community. It doesn't mean people who are breaking into people's computers. It means typically they say people who make things do things they weren't intended to do. It's typically what hacking means in the purest sense. But we do know about computer hackers or crackers, people who are breaking the security systems. Typically, the way someone gains access to your machine and your private information is not by typing in crazy code and being like, we cracked the system. No, it's simple. Your IT, uh, no, 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 not your IT guy. He, he might be privy to this, but um, let's say you work at a media company. Uh, no, no, no. How about this? How about this? Let's say you work at a, a, a safe company. You make safes. And someone wants to get access to, uh, I don't know, the back doors that you provide the government. Well, someone in accounting gets a phone call. And the phone call with 350 employees, I guarantee you, they don't know each other. Accounting gets a phone call. And they go, uh, is this uh, is Sarah in accounting? Uh, yes, who's this? Uh, hey, this is Jim from over in IT. Did you get the email about the audits we're doing? Uh, no, no, we're doing, uh, we're doing a, a speed check on the network. Do you, do you have a router next to your computer? And she'll be like, uh, I think, what is that? It, the little black box? Yeah, it's like a little black box next to the computer. And she'll go, yeah, I got one of those. Oh, okay, cool, cool. We're going to be coming in to do a quick review. Is there a number on the back of it so we know what order we're coming in? Uh, cause we're doing it in sequential order. And she'll go, oh yeah, uh, 973-631-631. Two, seven, nine, eight. Ah, OK. All right. Perfect. Got it. Thank you very much. Uh, we should be coming by later. It'll only be a few minutes and that's it. That's it. Now, in that scenario, I'm being a little bit, you know, just making up a scenario on top of my mind. But for those that aren't familiar, what basically happens is that call was a hacker, a social engineer trying to get information on the router that's being used so they can figure out what they need to break into it. And this is what happens with 350 employees. Heck, with 10 employees, these things are easy to do. Spear phishing attacks through email. These things are easy to get past anyone because people don't listen. This is what really bothers me about Liberty Safe. The CEO will put out a message saying, please, literally nobody. If you if you get a phone call from someone claiming to be IT, hang up immediately. We will never call. We will send an IT guy to knock on your door. What'll happen? Oh, it doesn't matter because people are people. And then what happens? Phone rings and Sarah over in accounting answers. And she says, hello. And it's like, hey, I know the uh, the CEO just said that IT wouldn't call you. But surprise, surprise. Guess who got locked out of their machine? <laughs> That's right. The CEO. So we got a bit of emergency. Uh, I'm going to need you to read me the back of that router so we can do a security check and make sure you know, and then of course she'll be like, oh, that's right. That did happen. Here's the number you asked for. It's remarkable. Read Kevin Mitnick. Okay. Old school social engineering. He ta- he was, uh, he has a story where he's talking to his dad and he tells his dad, I can get your credit card information like that. What does he do? It's factor on the days of Blockbuster. Brilliant. He calls Blockbuster and he says, uh, hi, uh, what, what's, what store number is this? And they're like, oh, this is uh, 1157. 
Oh, this is block. But this is eleven fifty seven. Yeah, that's right. Oh, OK. Uh, who's the manager over there? And they're like, uh, John Smith. And he was like, oh, OK. All right. Uh, well, I just wanted to call let you know that um, I can't remember who I talked to, but they were really great and they provided customer service to me. It was really, really awesome. And I'm just I had a good day and I really appreciate it. And they go, oh, well, thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a nice day. Eleven fifty seven. John Smith's the manager. Then what do they do? They call up a different blockbuster. This is what Kevin says. And he goes, yeah, this is uh, John Smith, the manager over at Store 1187. I got a customer here named Bill Mitnick who says he's a member, but he doesn't. He's one of your members, but he doesn't have a, a card on him. Would you mind uh, checking if, you, if he has him? I have his address. Uh, he has his ID here. And they go, yep, we got him in the system. Oh, OK. He says he's got his credit card in the system. I'm just trying to verify it. Could you read that back for me? And they go, yep, it's 4369. Writes it all down, hands it to his dad. And he's like, you just got my credit card number from calling Blockbuster? Yes. This stuff never changes. People don't change. Security is bypassed this easily. Now, back to Liberty Safes. Why do you not want to buy from this company? They have a backdoor to your safe. So one of two things can happen. An employee at the company knows that you just bought the premier cream of the crop, best of the best, top of the top safe, $7,000. Okay, maybe $7,000 isn't the best. Maybe you just spent fifty grand on the premium platinum mega model. Holds a hundred grand worth of guns. Now, dude, at this company is just like, I can't believe someone's buying this. There's the address. There's the name. And your friend here's got the backdoor code. So what happens? Homeboy contacts someone he knows and says, listen, you didn't hear this from me, but some millionaire dude just bought a safe that can hold like a hundred grand worth of guns. And I got the backdoor code. Oh, boy. Then you go on vacation. And the people staking out your address that they easily got from the safe company walk in the front door, walk up and go, boop, 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 pops right open. They load up your stuff onto a cart, leave, and you come home and your safe's cracked. Why would you buy a safe if someone else has the code? Okay, now I'm not going to accuse Liberty. I'm not saying they did anything criminal or they would. I'm just saying security breaches can happen. Here's another circumstance. Somebody social engineers their way into the network. And just looks at the computer and sees someone bought a premier, premium, cream of the crop, best of the best, massive safe. Liberty doesn't even know about it, but they do have a backdoor code. And that person who broke into their systems, violating the rights of this safe company, they just sell it. They sell it on the black market, on the, on the, on the dark web. They say, hey, here's a list of addresses of all their customers and all their backdoor codes. Do not buy a safe if they are doing this. What you're probably going to want is an analog system. And you got to be worried about this too. Even if you get a safe that has like some kind of multi-key system, they could have copies. So you got to know, do you really trust the company? And now that we're learning that Liberty Safe has backdoors, listen, make an argument about them giving out the backdoor code without, without a court order. Okay, that's scummy. If, if, if you work for a company and the feds come with a warrant for you and say, you have to give us this code, I can understand abiding by a court order. 100%. 100%. If you were a company like Liberty Safe and they come and issue a court order to hand it over, you can fight it in court and take any legal means to challenge what their claims are. And if ultimately the judge says you've got to do it, I can respect that. We do need to be a system of laws. And I'm not going to sit here and protect the criminals that are looting all these stores because they're utilizing these systems to protect their loot. You know, we know a guy robbed a store. He puts it all in a safe. Now they can't get into it. They can't get the evidence to prove that he stole it. I can certainly respect that. 
The problem, the backdoor code shouldn't exist in the first place. What's the purpose of buying a safe if this is how secure it's going to be? Now, that does mean the criminals will get secure systems that you can't get the code to. Too bad. That is the that is the that is a problem for law enforcement, not for law abiding citizens. In this case, this guy may be accused of all sorts of whatever. I don't know. But he made the mistake of buying a cabinet. That's it. A cabinet with a code that anybody could get. Do what you want. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up today at 4 p.m. Thanks for hanging out and we will see you all then.